Today, I'm interrupting our tip talk flow. See, it's time to release tip 14 to you, but we're going to throw you a curveball and deliver bonus content instead. If you haven't heard, we started Podcast Plus. This is exclusive bonus content that we release to you each month that only Podcast Plus subscribers get. So if you love fearless talks, you're going to love Podcast Plus. We wanted you to get a taste of what our bonus content is like, so we're releasing my incredible bonus conversation on misunderstood manhood with Will Good as our episode today. So as you take in this episode, keep in mind for just $5 a month, you can get access to Podcast Plus. So head over to fearlessunite.com backslash podcast to subscribe or click the link in show notes to get started. And you know what the added bonus is too? You are helping support our podcast. If Fearless Tips and Talks has impacted your life for the better, we would greatly appreciate your support. Now, here's my bonus interview with Will Good. Will Good. Hey, Christy. You're in the hot seat. I'm loving it. We got bonus content coming at you, friends. If you have not heard our initial conversation, please go back and listen to it. It's going to be called Misunderstood Manhood. Really highly recommend that you go back and hear that. But right now I've got Will in the hot seat for bonus content. And we're going to talk a little bit more about misunderstood manhood, misunderstood womanhood. I think that there, we talked a little bit about this in the podcast about how there's a lot of misunderstandings around manhood and womanhood. You brilliantly taught me that the the idea of femininity and masculinity actually wasn't even really um, come about until when? Yeah. Like the, the word manhood, 14th, 14th century. So it wasn't something that was specifically designed um, in the garden of Adam and Eve. The, the idea of masculinity right, right. Having is what to be we're- so like it just wasn't a category that didn't need the distinction. It doesn't appear like in scripture there there needed to be some teaching on oh this is the this is the book of the law for people. This is the book of the law for men. This is what it's just like this is for people. Right? You're made in my image. Here, everything's just for for imagers. Right? We're all imagers of God. Here's here's the here's a story. Right? We see that. There's different people that rise to different occasions as God enables them and they play certain roles with gifts, right? That's, that's, there's no like distinction that we really see other than the story and how that plays out. Like there's no, there's no rules, right? There wasn't a book that said men have to be farmers and women have to stay home with the children. Yeah. That was something that we have as a society, as a culture developed on our own and isn't necessarily built into the fabric of scripture. It seems to me. Yep. Yep. We we see different characteristics. I think of, of men and women through scripture. Uh, We can, we can see that a little bit in the uniqueness. Uh, There's, there's, plenty we could kind of dive into. I'm not an expert in Hebrew or, or that story as, as much, but we certainly don't see that evolution or that raising up of needing to have such a formal distinction until much later, you know, 14th century, 18th century, kind of in that period is when those words started to rise up in, in language. And what we're not saying, I want to be clear, is that there's no difference between man and woman. There absolutely is a difference between man and woman yeah. and sp- that men seem to have bigger muscle mass mm-hmm. than women. Yeah. And the, the, so I just don't want to be misunderstood and are misunderstood of manhood. Right, right. Exactly right. And I think that's where uh, what we talked about in the podcast a bit is the idea of we are made in God's image and there are universal things that people as imagers of God 
are, are should be about, right? It's the, what I, I think I called, um, godly, you know, human, how to human in, in, in a godly way, right? His instructions for how to human. And that's all like loving people, um, thinking others is better than ourselves. We're, we're, we're willing to take on inconvenience for ourselves in order to serve and to love someone else. Jesus was really the ultimate picture of personhood and he was a man by gender and so much of how he related to people was so powerful in how he was able to flex for the circumstance, right? Mm -hmm. He was able to be gentle and kind. He was also able to be kind of almost ruthless and direct. Mm -hmm. Um, He was able to just, just, so smoothly mm-hmm. change his interaction model with people, mm-hmm. but at the fundamental heart of it was, was love. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think there's the, the biggest thing for personhood period, men or women is, have we really submitted ourselves to the fundamentals of who God made us to be looking back at those two greatest commandments, right? When we really love God with all that we are, and that transforms us. And so necessarily that changes how we love other people, interact with other people. That's that, that applies whether you're a man or a woman, right? I'm going to go into something specific um, about marriage, but I don't want to check out any of my single friends here right now because there's going to be something very specific that I believe is going to be kind of found in what we're about ready to talk about. But scripture talks about how marriage is a picture of the, like it's the bride of Christ. It's a representation of the fullness of God. So, What's really interesting and, and, and hear my heart listeners, I, I, what I'm about ready to say, it's not coming out of a place of arrogance or pride, but there's a lot of interest in Troy and I's marriage. When I post things about our marriage, when I post things about just him and I on a date, or if I talk about marriage in in general, it seems to get the most likes, the most comments, the most, and, and what's interesting to me about that is people want a happy marriage. People want a healthy relationship with their spouse. And it's, it's ingrained in us because I, I believe God wants that for us. So my question to you is, what does it look like to co-labor both male and female and do it in a healthy and beautiful and God honoring way? Yeah. That's such an important question because there's not a lot of answers to that in our society. No, it's why there, I think there's a desire. And if we have uh, just a small amount of faith to believe that God was intentional in his design of humanity Mm. and that he really has our best interest in mind, which I think is the fundamental question that gets beat up our entire existence. And that goes back to, you know, the emergence of the art of our enemy, right? The serpent in the garden is, did you really trust God that that's like, that's the fundamental question, right? You really can't trust God. He's holding out on you or, or whatnot. And, and so that that's a battle front for us. And so that's why that I think is so attractive. And it's not even a question, maybe even people consciously, I don't know if that we consciously go look for healthy relationships, but we're certainly attracted and gravi- we gravitate towards them because it's such a rarity, right? Having said all that, like it is possible and, uh, and it's powerful. If I look back at scripture and then I look at the healthiest relationships I've ever seen in my life, man and woman, whether it's a brother and a sister or a, you know, a parent and a child, or it's a spouse together. And so this applies to everybody listening, right? Cause you're all, you're one of those things mm-hmm. for sure is, um, is that healthiness of who you are as a person enables you to then be a more healthier partner in any relationship. You know, that's, that's really huge. When I look at scripture, 
when I look at those best examples, when I look at the best moments in my marriage, it's about me decreasing so that I can help God increase in relationship and help elevate the person that I'm relating with. That That's our relationship, Christy. We're friends and I get the most joy from elevating you whenever I can and helping you step into your glory. It's the same thing with my wife, Sarah. It's the same thing with my kids. And so my, my desire is, is, uh, first of all, like I said, I have to be healthy myself. So the more unhealthy I am, the less I'm able to propel somebody else into their wow. giftedness, right? The healthier I become, the more I become comfortable with me not being the center of attention. That's a huge thing for anybody listening, right? <laughs> Watching is it's not about me. God, how have you equipped me and called me and enabled me to be in a position where I can actually speak life into someone else? I try to apply this to every relationship, but it's so important in the home. And I think that's why that um, co-laboring thing for Sarah and I together and everything we do, it becomes a lot more natural because I've recognized that it's not about me. My purpose here on earth is to honor God and to love other people. And so I'm going to do that even at my own expense that allows me to elevate somebody else and to be into their best. And when I look at that picture in scripture of marriage, that's, ex that's what Jesus did, right? Is that Jesus was willing to put himself on the line. First of all, he exemplified what did God intend for humanity, the way he walked and exemplified the kingdom. That's huge. And then second of all, he sacrificed himself for us yeah. so that we could have the fullness of life in relationship. I want to be, I'm not always good at this, but I want to be willing to sacrifice myself, my comfort, my own pleasure, my own, you know, desires, my selfish desires in order for someone else to rise up and to be the fullest version of themselves. That comes back to my mission. Like I shared is I want to help people and organizations maximize their potential. The only way I can do that in relationship is to, in some senses, minimize my own, right? I'm going to mm. minimize what I get out of what I get out of, out of it so that somebody else can be the best version of themselves. I think for me, that's a powerful thing in relationship, especially in marriage is to be willing, you know, husbands, if you're listening, if you're married or single folks and you have friends that are of the opposite gender, right? Um, daughters for your fathers, um, sons for your mothers, right? In relationship is if you recognize and, and confess, it's not about me. How can I help somebody else elevate? How can I encourage? How can I help them be the best version of themselves? It will fundamentally transform your life and any relationships, particularly as true in marriage. There's a uh, humility, a, a massive amount of humility that that would take to be able to be that type of person. There's this funny word in scripture called submission. There's also another funny word in scripture called headship. Mm -hmm. And so there is some, I would say maybe misconceptions or lack of knowledge yeah. around those words that sometimes will minimize women and, and, and kind of maximize men in those situations. When I just heard you speak those things, I didn't hear any of that coming out of, right. of your mouth. So what does it mean to be the head of the household or to be submitted maybe to one another? What, what does that look like? Yeah. Great, great questions. What, what I see in, in scripture and I really sense is I, I want to be the authority. I want to be the headship in my family because it's something that God has charged me to be. Uh, it's, it's the order that he has created. Right. And there's, and that's out of a place of love, not a as place a man, uh, as a man, right. As a man, 
feel like God has given us a unique place in society to be the the ones who are out front, to be the ones who are willing to fight for, for justice and for good and for the best of other people to inconvenience ourselves in order that other people can have their fullness, fullness of life. Right. The perversion of masculinity and manhood is that we do all that stuff to get more for ourselves. Right. It's about mm-hmm. me. It's about me. It's about me. Fundamentally, it's not about me. And so how does that change the way that I behave and act and, and think as a, as a ruler, right? It's a being a good king, so to speak. You know, Jesus is king of the universe, but what does it mean to be a good king? There's so many pictures and stories that you could read or, or look at where you see poor pictures of kings and, and healthy pictures of kings. I think the best king is the king that somebody wants to follow, that gladly um, lays down their treasures at, at his feet, not out of um, obligation or out of fear of punishment or things like that. Right. Stories will, will say that. And that's why there's I think those pictures of that in, in, in the Bible too, about like we lay down our crowns at his feet. Why? Because we recognize how great and how loving and how, how powerful Jesus is and what he did for us And the word submission. When I look at the best example or the intent that I think it was Paul who wrote that, right. That the things about submission is it's mutual. It's respectful. I want to submit because I love you and I know you have my best intention at mind. Think about the the big battle the, back to the earlier part of the conversation, right? Is Satan, the, the enemy's job, Satan's kind of thing. He's wanting us to question God's intention towards us. And then when we question our uh, the other person's intention towards us in relationship, then we necessarily are going to be abrasive or apprehensive to really let our guard down, to really allow somebody else to maybe tell me what to do and I'm going to follow it. It's about how do I receive that, that direction? How do I receive that quote headship or that authority, right? If we really understand that authority, that leadership, that headship is not oppressive. It's actually lifting, right? It's meant to lift. That's, that's how that position can, can be approached. I think Christy in a way that brings life and brings like a desire. Like I actually want, I'm willing to submit to Sarah's, my, my wife's, um, ideas or to her, sometimes her instructions, sometimes the way she thinks about things. I, I will, I will submit because I know that that's not coming out of a place of she wants to be domineering or controlling or have all the power or things like that. It's the same thing in reverse. When Sarah understands my heart is not anything ill at all. It's not even about me. It's just like, I feel like this is the best thing for us to do for good reasons. My heart is for your best, right? Mm -hmm. For our family's best. Then there's a willingness to come together and I'm folding my hands, right? And you, if you're, if you're listening in the podcast, I'm holding my hands together um, and folding them is there's a willingness to come together versus a clapping or two fists coming together. When you're coming like fist in a powerful way that it's about me, it's power, you know, it's power, it's control. Submission is not going to happen. We have a bad rap in our, in our culture. And this is where it gets really off. And I think it's such a dirty word in the church because there's been such a men coming with fists rather than coming with open hands to grasp and to fold hands together with women in loving relationship. So if you come in the right position and the right, the sort of right posture of, of service and really wanting the best for somebody else, then submission, then authority, then headship becomes welcomed, a welcomed yeah. thing. And Jesus made it so welcoming because of the way he exemplified that service, the servant leadership, the sacrificial living the showing absolute emotional intelligence and love and all that. So, so that there's a way to come together and make it a, a mutually beneficial sort of thing. There's a beautiful picture in scripture that we see it's uh, Deborah. She was a prophetess, but she was also a judge and she was the leader of 
her time, the nation at the time, and they were going to war. They were going to war. And the main guy that was leading the charge in the war, his name was Barack. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, they're discussing this, right? And Barack says, okay, I'll go. I'm going to go to this battle, but I'm not going without you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the way it is with Troy and I, and I know it's the way with, yeah. with, with Sarah and you, you, it's like, we're in this battle together yes. and we're both charging the gates of hell yes. together. And, and I know that Troy's got my back and I got Troy's back yes. and the gifts that I bring to the table or to the war are different than the gifts mm-hmm. that Troy brings to the table and to the war. And at the end of the day, he's first out there. He's going to charge, but I'm right behind yes. him. And I know as heck that Sarah's right behind you, Will, and that you guys are going to go and you're going to fight this battle together. And I think that it's beautiful to see that we have a representation uh, in scripture where it was like that, you know, where they were equally co-laboring, you know, together. And it's like, I'm going, but I'm not going without you. And I I think that's beautiful. And I think the more that we step in to the way God designed us to co-labor alongside each other, your purpose comes alive. Your, 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 your love for life and what you want to do comes alive. It's just so beautiful. How does that, how so we've talked about the home and how that looks like in the home, but, and I, and I just kind of want to give an example. So like if Troy and I are making a big decision, he comes to me and he says, Hey, what do you think about this? I tell him what he thinks. He tells me what he thinks. Right. So someone's got to make the final call, right, right. make the final, that's the headship part. Mm-hmm. Troy makes the final call and, and we make the decision. But he doesn't make it without me. It, it's it, it. We're always at. You know, we're, we're always walking alongside each other. What? How does that kind of shake out in the church? What does that look like in the church context? Should it be the same? Should it be different? How does that look? Great. Yeah. Great. Great question. And I appreciate how you and Troy definitely model that out. I see that uh, when I when I kind of look at authority is, and, and I I'm sorry, I'm not prepared for this part as far as what what the scripture reference is. But the idea is that we're all under the authority. Jesus came under the authority of the Father. Um, scripture says that we are seated with him at the right hand of the father. That's men and women together. So we have that equal footing and seating. And then we're under the authority of Jesus and under submission, mutual submission to each other. And so what, what I see as the most healthy thing playing out in the church, remember the church is not a building. It's not an organization. The church is all sons and daughters of God, right? If we go back to the fundamentals, we get convoluted in our culture and there's so much to unpack with that. But The idea is that if God truly did create man and woman in his image, that we are imagers, that we have equal rights as sons and daughters, that we are both seated male and female at the right hand of the father. But then there's this idea of authority, right? And Mm -hmm. and someone, someone ultimately has the responsibility set. I think what you model with Troy and what I tried to model with Sarah is the same thing in, in, in a church world, right? What's, what's the difference there, right? A fundamental, um, you know, uh, a sort of uh, institution that we see in scripture that's so important is the family unit marriage. It's exemplified then in the marriage of Jesus with the bride, his church. Yeah. Right. And then we see an institution of the church as the people of God, the sons and daughters of God coming together. Right. Those are institutions. And it's, it's difficult for me to imagine a, a world where the institution that's modeled first in the home would not carry the same sort of principles modeled out in the church. But again, it comes back to what's the posture of those relationships, right? If the posture of either male or female is I'm in control, you will follow me. It's about me. Then you're going to have all sorts of 
you know, wonky things happening. Right. Mm-hmm. But if the posture is, as Jesus modeled, I'm not here to, you know, to be served. I'm here to serve. Right. I'm here to elevate you into the best version of who my father created you to be. Right. I'm here to lay myself down for you. Then we're able to have those conversations together and still yet have someone who's saying, I'm going to go into the battlefield first. I'm, I, I, we're in agreement or we're going to disagree, but we're going to commit to going forward because Mm -hmm. that's my responsibility for God. I'm accountable and I'm going to be willing me is as a leader in the home or as a leader in the church, this is the direction we're going. We've had the conversation. We feel peace about God because we're submitted to him. Let's go and let it be. I love this in scripture. Um, you know, let it not be said of me or may God deal with me ever so severely. Right. That's a great quote. Like this is the best I can go forward. We're in agreement. May God deal with me be it ever so severely if I got this wrong, but we're still going to go and let God correct us in the meantime. I think that just happens so beautifully when men and women can come together because we are distinctly made in his image and those gender characteristics, some of the things we said in the beginning, uh, just brings a different perspective. You know, it doesn't make sense for one person to be the unilateral because we have a narrow perspective. We have a narrow lens, a narrow set of gifts. When I bring Sarah to the table, when you bring Troy to the table, when groups come together, male and female, we see the world differently. We have a fuller picture of what God sees and what he intends because he made us in his image uniquely. Thank you, Will, for just clarity and wisdom on that. You are very emotionally intelligent. You feel, you allow yourself to process, you understand emotions. I've cried in front of you and not felt awkward. And I just leave us with a story. Leave us with a moment where God maybe told you it's okay to cry, Will, or it's okay to feel the feels that you feel, because I want us to all understand that our emotions and our feelings, they're indicators that maybe something is off, maybe something needs to be tended to. And I want us all, male and female, to feel comfortable in that. So just end with that. Yeah, great. (laughs) This is, this is raw. Um, wasn't prepared for this question, but I'll just tell you a story. Uh, yesterday, one of, um, you know, our stories are, are deep. Our stories are, are complex and there's all sorts of threads that weave throughout our story. Uh, God is faithful. He's present. Jesus is in all of our story, but sometimes we misinterpret. Sometimes there are things in our younger, yet less mature selves that can end up, um, becoming blockers from us being healthy. Right. And, uh, a series of, of things over time for me as, as I think led to me being less emotionally personally, but still able to receive and operate with emotional intelligence. One of those areas is, as I think about my, my home and my upbringing in, uh, in Indiana, and there was a period of time in my life where I received a lot of my interactions, my relationships. I just really felt like I'm not welcome anymore. There's rejection to that. Right. And, um, uh, giving space, uh, allow uh, curiosity is huge, right? Feeling that last time I went home, feeling some really weird things happening inside of me. Um, you called some of this out, right? When, when we got a chance to interact, you and Troy with Sarah and I, Sarah called it out of me curious, God, what's going on, creating space for me to work through that. And then finally coming to the place where I could write some of those areas down, really grieve, give space, recognize that I misinterpreted and a lot of that stuff is just not true. Yeah. And, uh, yesterday was in a moment where I could really emotionally with, with my counselor, just emotionally, um, 
express that and, and have tears and, 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 uh, the way he framed it is like, I think those are tears of joy actually. Cause you're free from that shame and that weight. And I'm like, wow. yes. Right. But you have to be curious and be willing to do the work. And again, the, the, the fruit from the podcast, right. Is I'm going to take those little seeds. I'm, I've recognized this little moment. I'm going to plant this seed and allow it to have space to, to grow. Uh, and, and that is a, a place where now I can let myself release. It's like, it's okay to be emotional. That's actually healthy, but create the, the spaces to be able to do that. When I look at our savior, he wasn't the stoic dude no, 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 no. that never showed emotion. We have record that he cried, yes, sweat, blood. blood. We know that he had distress and pain. He isn't a stuffy high priest who right. has never felt the things that we're feeling. So I, I think I just want to end in this bonus content to encourage you. What is it that's bubbling up right now? For yes. Will, it was rejection. He he was trying to get to the root of rejection and shame that he was walking through. What is it for you, friend? Yeah. What is it yeah. for you that you're feeling or sensing? And, and what would it look like to dig deep, go back, process those feelings, process those emotions, figure out what are they trying to tell you, and then walk free? Because I could tangibly see something was off with my friend Will when I saw him. And there are people in your life that are probably telling you the same, like something's off with you. Something's not right. Maybe it's coming out of anger. Maybe it's coming, you're running to Netflix or binging or, or drinking or checking out or whatever. What does that look like for you? Because God wants to set you free. Yes. That's what he's come for, to set the captives free. And for you to walk in your fullness, you have to go back to be able to move forward. Is there anything you want to end with? I I feel like I feel emotional just you speaking that over people are watching and listening. Could I pray over the folks who are watching and listening right now? Jesus, I'm so grateful for the men and women who are watching. Hi. And uh, listening to to the podcast um, today, to this this, uh, bonus episode and I just have this sense, I'm just overwhelming with emotion because I know your heart, God, is to set the captives free, Jesus. That's why you came. And for uh, for me and for Christy and for those listening, watching who are not free right now, that you have um, a great deal of freedom that you have. I, I just got this image of bolt cutters. If you're familiar with those big, giant iron bolt cutters that take a lot of pressure, but you can literally cut chains apart. I just have this image of you're standing ready, Jesus, with bolt cutters. You're ready to cut chains off of people that are living in bondage right now that are just being stuck in places where, um, there's deep shame or, or hurt or pain or, or just, um, anger, right. Or there's a, um, in the face of that, there's a wanting to check out and avoid that. I just pray Holy spirit that you would, uh, open up the doors with your loving kindness that you would be shown as welcoming them into kind of a, a green room, a welcoming pleasant place where you're able to come with those bolt cutters and release those chains, cut them off and help my, my brothers and sisters who are listening, watching to receive your grace, to receive your love, your deep healing. And so I just pray spirit for strength and for, um, boldness to admit there's something that's not right. That's off. I want more, a a confession that I want more. I want to go deeper with you. God, I want to receive healing. And I pray that you would, um, open up doors, opportunities. I pray that you'd help, um, the person who's listening right now is like, I don't have time for that, that you would give them an excuse, an undeniable excuse where you free up time and space. And that that's the only option. If they want to go to, 
um, to a drink that you would close the cabinet or close the bar. If they want to go to binge watch that you'd make their internet go down, <laughs> that you would just make it really clear. This is a divine appointment and opportunity to step into this space of love and of grace to receive healing and to receive chains that are free. Jesus, thank you for your promise of abundant life. Pray these things in your mighty name. Amen.